Okay. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Branding Beardos. And our segment, Tauke Talks. Now, today's guest comes from a very unique business. One that is critical to our well-being and survival. But often, invisible to us until we need what they do. Now, Kevin Cheng here is the second-generation business owner of BV or Vida Verde, a firm that makes safe, natural, or non-poisonous alternatives to daily necessities like cleaning solutions, pest control, and mineralization. Now, Kevin is a business management graduate from La Trobe University and is also an intrepid creative with skills in videography, photography, and design. Let's give a very warm welcome to Branding Beardos. Welcome to Kevin. Thank you, thank you for having me, guys. I must. I might have messed up that last line somewhere, but uh, it's fine. It's <laughs> we'll fine. let it run. <laughs> we'll let it go, man. Hey, thanks, Kevin, for being with us. Oh, so Kevin, uh, Kevin is actually also uh, a client of mine. So this is the first time again. Peach, peach, keep pitching the client to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but the but I think one thing that I really enjoy doing this project with, with, with Kevin and uh, and of course Mr. Cheng and Mrs. Cheng who, who are his parents you know, who are the founders of the business as well is that they really have a very very strong um, a very strong feel of what they are doing you know like most of the times you have businesses like oh I'm selling like for example I'm selling some plants so, oh are you really passionate about plants no hmm. I, because a lot of people buying plants, so I want to make money. But for 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 them, you know, and and uh, for for Kevin and his family, they are really they have really bought into this entire uh, lifestyle. This enti- it's a lifestyle exactly. They bought into this lifestyle completely. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always uh, I always look at it in awe. And ever when I go for meetings as well, and I listen to Mr. Cheng talking, you know. And and you know I learned a lot, and I see that a lot of it is 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 uh, is in Kevin as well when he does something. And but Kevin, um, with all these things happening, right? Where where do you see VV now? You know how 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 much more relevant is the brand uh, today in this moment? Hmm. Actually, looking at how the world is now especially with things like uh, the COVID-19 and um, well, 2020 definitely has not been a good year for the world at you know, most of the time. And I think it does play a big part because you see, especially uh, during the pandemic period, you see all these new brands coming out, talking mm. about sanitation, talking about hygiene. But um, yeah, it, it really makes you question like what all these things are. Because for a very long time, uh, like especially in the past few months, you're, you're talking about spraying 70% alcohol on your hands. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, you know, the, the fact is, if you had an open wound, you wouldn't even think about doing that because mm. well, it hurts and it's bad mm. on your skin. But somehow we have it because you know, that just seems like the, the obvious way to go. But in reality, there are so many better alternatives to it that people just aren't willing to try. And I think that... Uh, speaks about the mentality and the mindset of uh, the common man, not just in Singapore but around the world, on mm. how they look at um, you know the the information that they're receiving, how they look at uh, the alternatives on the market. Most of it is just following as uh, the world goes, 
mm. are not considering for themselves. But you do have, you know, that's not like um, putting aside those, like the the population of people that do actually think about what they are consuming, what they are using. And mm. that's the the kind of people that we want to, to grow in the world. Those that are actually taking their, their own lives into their own hands. Does that make sense? So, so mm. educate us a little bit here. Um, let's say with hand sanitizer. Yeah. Right now we are we are putting like seventy percent alcohol on our hands, and I mean my hands peel. My hands have started to peel since like two weeks ago. What what do you mean by the alternatives and like actually how are they different or better? Mm, so, uh, with hand sanitizers, most of the time you see um, alcohol based or chemical based. Uh, disinfectants, sanitizers. So the most common liquid sanitizer you'll find is alcohol-based. Um, most people would run straight 70% ethanol. You know, straight, mm-hmm. straight 70% alcohol. And of course, that's very drying on the skin. Uh, you have other companies that have been slightly more innovative. They have uh, alcohol-based, but at the same time with a moisturizer, a liquid moisturizer inside mm-hmm. so to counteract. So that's what most hospitals, medical professionals use people that need to do it multiple times a day. Mm. Um, but you also have different alternatives that haven't been patented, or not exactly haven't been patented, but um, unwidely used. Like okay. let's say um, hypochlorous acid uh, or HOCL. Hypochlorous acid was, uh, has been around for many years, but it was only made popular by a certain group of people, um, small group of Americans, but at the same time, also the Taiwanese government. Uh, in, oh. their, in their early fight this year, I think somewhere in early February or late January, when news started to, to run about the COVID-19, uh, their government already started implementing the use of hypochlorous acid, which they, didn't, which they then deemed effective in their fight against the virus. So like hypochlorous acid is basically just a very weak acid, so it actually mm. does not do anything to you. And it's also cytotoxic, so it doesn't... Um, you know, damage any human cell or any cell in your body or mm-hmm. in your, let's say, child or animal, mm. you know, your pet. So in that sense, that would technically make it the best alternative because the hypochlorous mm-hmm. acid is known to kill uh, bacteria and viruses in, uh, well, some people would consider it uh, on contact depending on the usage, but with definitely within seconds under a minute or 10 minutes because if you read like even the way alcohol kills it kills by dehydration and you need a certain uh, that takes time. Of contact time mm. yeah. yeah and same thing with soap that's why you need to sing the happy birthday song multiple times yeah. just to wash yes. and that's also not a, a confirmed kill if that <laughs> makes sense yeah most of it removes uh, removes the virus from your skin mm-hmm. some of it does die but some of it also gets washed down the, yeah the sink. okay so, okay yeah, there are, there are, doesn't there kill are the bacteria, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But why some do you of think, them do, but not all. Yeah. But why do you think people are still so uh, apprehensive? You know, and we talked about this in the course of the project about trying to understand why people are still so apprehensive about buying uh, natural products. And I think yeah. one of the one of the reasons that we that we came up with was that possibly that. You know, people think of it as uh, that it's not because of the fact that it's not widely available in supermarkets, and that could be the cause of 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 this perception building. 
Now, what do you think that we need to do to get people to to realize that hey, you're you're basically just shoveling chemicals all around your house every single day, you know? Uh, I think it's. I don't think it's as simple as you know what can we do on mm. our side, but even let's say the community of uh, people within the same cause, you know, mm. looking at healthy, uh, safe, green alternatives, uh, there is, I would say, a division in itself. Mm. You know, you have the organic purists, you have the green movement people, mm. you have those that. Uh, claim to be natural but actually aren't like I'm not going to say some big brands uh, <laughs> little fine print that says oh <laughs> may not actually be you know okay okay, <laughs> but, okay but so there is a big division and I think uh, the problem with the division is then uh, it makes you feel like you need to choose sides mm. even with becoming green just like health foods mm. you know some mm. people prescribe to veganism some people prescribe to vegetarianism some people want the keto diet you know there's a division in itself and that causes a lot of friction mm. so that in itself really creates like this social barrier right but on top of okay. that you also have like oh, that, was, that was interesting because you were talking about health foods and we have a problem with health foods that also surface with the with all these like uh cleaning agents and all that which is like one day someone says this is safe another day someone says it's not safe mm. so like how do you how do you deal with that yeah so i think the the biggest thing is or the biggest advice that i would give to people when it comes to something as uh, as seemingly confusing as you know like health foods or or natural products is to do your own research don't always mm. listen to someone else you know if you want to look on the internet look at reputable sources, don't go and look at some blog website about some, <laughs> some you know, salty person writing about incident that they had. You know, that's yeah. not gonna work. You know, do proper research, read, read journal articles, educate yourself. And that's all, all it is. Because once you start to educate yourself, you start to know more about the situation in the world, you start to know more about the things in your house. Yeah. And naturally, you would want to make the change because right. I don't think people want to live that way once they actually know what it is. And like, I can only, uh, from my point of view, educate so much as to the person listening wanting to know about it. I think it's like one of those things, the worst thing is that these people get this, get their hands on these reports and then they start sending it to their friends or whatsoever. Hey, hey guys, you got to read this, you know, and you got to yeah. believe what I'm saying about the, <laughs> the dangers of using this. And so it's like yeah. one unfounded opinion and after, one after another. But, but for me, you know what's the, the, the more interesting thing is like, how, how did you all come about to start this thing, you know, what was the journey, you know, for the family to, and now you running yeah, part of the yeah, business. Because yeah, because everything niche. is, yeah, it's not only yeah. niche, but the, the, like I was saying earlier, right, to everyone that the, there's, there's real a real, there's it, a yeah. real passion. So, there's but passion, passion always comes from somewhere. So maybe you can share how, how this journey with no poison, no poison started. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can say for certain that the passion aspect of it isn't so much directly, oh, uh, it's the 
need for greener, more natural, safer things. The passion comes from the love of people. You know, loving the, the people around you, caring for what society is going to become. And I think that's where it stems or that's where it starts. So like with my dad, uh, when he first started the parent company before Vida Verde, uh, it was based on the fact that his home, his old home, uh, used to have termites. So when he called the pest controller, at that time, my I have an older brother. At that time, my older brother was very young. He was still a baby. He was still crawling around like the house. So that means he'll be in contact with everything on the floor. And you know, babies like to put things in their mouths. So when my dad called the, the pest controller to come and deal with the termite problem, immediately he noticed something, which was the fact that the pest controller took out this jar of brown, brownish-orange powder, which is basically arsenic powder. And arsenic in its pure concentration is uh, extremely potent and toxic to humans. So the fact that the <laughs> pest controller wanted to spray it, uh, dust it around in a baby's room got my father thinking like, are you mad? Like, are you trying to kill my child like right now? You know, so my dad told him to, to leave and then he started to, to, to find alternatives to this problem. And that's when he found like the Mimesh and that started the whole journey. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Because of the, the love of his child. And then that subsequently moved into the love of um, you know, the people around him and then uh, to the people that he interacts with and now mm. to the world. Yeah. Oh. That's so intensely for, personal. Yeah, that is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so why the whole, the, 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 the entire, you know, DNA of the brand, whether it's like what he was talking about, Thermimesh and Vida Verde, it's really about no poisons, you know, say no to poisons and everything is natural. And I remember one of the, the products Kevin picked up and started, you know, <laughs> just to prove, right, you were sharing that, 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 uh, that experience, just to show people that it's, it's actually food grade. So, but it was, it's, it's really to tell, to let people know as well, I mean, how, how dangerous everything is. And I, and I also actually started becoming a small, small customer also and buying lots of uh the smell be gone you know and 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 stuff like that but um and moving on for my next the next the the next point that i wanted to ask you know like for you because you're you're still still mm. a rather young man you know as compared to myself and kenneth uh, we're both old and graying and and dying you know you're still you guys have many years man you guys have many years. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like for, for you right i mean how was it uh, taking over uh, part of the business now, you know, was it something that you always wanted to do? Always something that you saw yourself doing, or what, I mean, what was your journey? You know, because not many people want to, to take over the family business, family business, or be part of it also. You yeah. know, uh, I think for me personally, it's a combination of a few things, but um, of course, one of them being uh, the fact that. In Singapore now, or actually around the world, um, jobs can be quite competitive. And not just saying like how uh, the job scene in Singapore is right now, because actually we do have a lot of jobs available. It's just that people aren't willing to, to take those jobs. Mm. So in that sense, it's not competitive. But looking for a job that you're willing to do, that you want to do, then it's competitive. Mm. Um, and someone like me... Um, majoring in business with no particular specialization, 
gives me an advantage to move around, but I have to show my worth a little bit more. So mm. in that sense, um, you know, going on this, uh, taking this opportunity to work for my parents is kind of like the best option. Uh, you know, to play it safe. But uh, on the other hand, talking about passions and whether it's something I wanted to do, I think from a very young age, my dad already ingrained in me what it means to to uh, have a passion for something. Hmm. And especially something like this, where it's been reiterated over the years, like how we shouldn't be you know, dealing with chemicals, you know, like um, having that peace of mind when you use things. You know, those are already part of my... Uh, they already ingrained into my brain. And so I think it just naturally translated into me getting into this field. And I know and I understand how uh, some people will want not to work for their parents because, uh, you know, we grew up believing that we are supposed to uh, find a job that we love so that we can continue working at it. And, uh, you know, we each have our dreams that we want to chase and mm. we all have our, our individual passions. Um, so I can understand when people don't want to, but uh, I, I guess that's where that's where it differs when you get questions about like, don't you feel mm. uh, pressured into working for your parents? And I'm thinking, not really, because then I don't have to go to interviews to <laughs> to go and sell myself. I don't have to to sweet talk or you know for mm. for some people to write the most excellent resume, mm. which I do have, but I wouldn't consider it very nice either. So. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's very interesting that, that you mentioned that because like I feel like everyone has their own like flow in life and uh, the path that they take is very different so while we're talking to you about this and how you're you're you're, in, you're working with for your parents business but like the, your objective is very different it I think it isn't just safety also I feel like you are actually looking at it from a, like a long-term career perspective perspective you are gaining uh, experience whether you stay on or not is another story but you you will actually learn something valuable because like it or not you're pretty close to the sun especially when it comes to like running the business so you're going to pick up stuff that you won't know until unless you run a business and now that will be like superb experience that you can take anyway anywhere you want to go which brings me to this point about like my question about being a I won't say a second generation owner, but like a, you know, someone who is a second generation working within the family business uh, and having family and being, having to, to sort of split that, you know, home and professional, like what, what challenges uh, are like very immediate to you that you face? Uh, I think the immediate thing is, uh, reflecting on how many other people in my life have told me, you know, don't get into business with family and stuff. You know, it's the most, it's one of the most common things you hear about family businesses or mm. even like working with friends and stuff. Mm. Um, but I think where the difference lies is understanding your place at that time. Because like, um, you can see that a lot of, let's say, workplace misunderstandings normally come out of the, of a state of ego. You know, the, the fact that mm. you, know, you as a newer person or you as like the, the newer member think that they know better. And because of that, then you start to get into arguments, there isn't a lot of listening, uh, and then it becomes a lot of neglect and sometimes you, know, you can get a little bit heated. 
Right. Um, so like for me, I think it has been easier in the sense that um, we have talked out, like me, my, my parents, my brother, we have talked out about our individual roles. So that makes it easier for us to navigate around each other and with each other. So that my parents will obviously be still running the business as per normal. But I will take over things like, you know, marketing, a little bit of sales, uh, starting to look into business development. So, uh, and when we implement things, we do things mutually. Mm. So we all mm. have to be on the same page. And if we're not, we have to agree um, to let someone else take the lead. If let's say right. like um, for the technical sides of things, my dad has most of the knowledge. So I wouldn't want to argue with him on a certain thing unless I know that I have done my research and uh, have known more about that particular subject, then I can bring it up to him. Uh, apart from that, I will normally rely on his expertise. Uh, nice. Then if it comes to execution, I would take the expertise and formulate it into a plan or propose it. And uh, if let's say someone doesn't quite agree, we'll talk it out, try to understand where each party is coming from. And then we will move forward with whatever seems to be uh, the most appropriate. Mm. Yeah. So actually, it's not that difficult, I think. But for I you, mean, surely, there's, there's, there are challenges, right? I mean, for any family business. Because like my family also, we have a business. And uh, I don't uh, mention... Uh, when we come home, uh, in, in the home itself, we don't talk too much about work unless it's really necessary. And that creates a bit of a problem because when you have like four different people moving around at different times, you can't, you cannot uh, find a time where everybody is there. And you know, conference calls aren't always the best thing because you don't get to see facial expressions. You can't call anyone out if there's if you know that they're thinking about something but they're not saying it. So you can't do that over the phone. So mm. uh, it becomes difficult. So every time we have uh, like even with a voice call or anything, I always emphasize: can you? just say what you're thinking so that we can get this going and see how we can move forward. Yeah. I like how you're doing that because in, in every like business, even, even the one that I'm working for, there has to be someone pushing for that clear communication to say, what do you mean by, or like, are you thinking about something else? And I just yeah. find that like, you are very astute, like very sensitive about that. And that yeah. I find that very interesting because you know, where do you think you picked that up from? Like, did you did, did you pick that up from somewhere or did you think that maybe you learned it when you were younger or was it like much later in life? Uh, so for me, that, that idea of picking up like, you know, communication, uh, active listening uh, and that innate alertness, I guess, uh, has to yeah. do with like, you know, the, like my past when I was younger, you know, like everybody has their own story of their childhood, but mine, um, I, yeah, I lived with uh, bullying for quite a number of years. Mm. Uh, you know, like I didn't really have like, a good uh, primary school experience. My secondary school experience wasn't any much better. You know, it was, uh, it was quite terrible, but I think it has, you know, of course it has made me who I am today. And part of that is because when you're introverted and you are being picked on, you tend to listen a lot. You don't really talk, you don't lash out, you just listen to what's going on, 
you start to observe people, you start to observe things and that's that's when it comes into like even something as simple as um how do two people communicate? You can see that oh maybe like the conversation starts out normal. Uh one person says something, the other person gets triggered. So you start to see that uh, everything moves in a pattern. And and that oh. also like um it also changes when you start looking at things as uh patterns and how um like people always say that oh I'm I'm so um you know, I, I'm so easy to read or like the, that person is so unpredictable but in reality even in even in someone's unpredictability there is still a predictability you know you can still tell that even when someone's let's say their emotional um, flow goes up and down and up and down mm. there are still ups and downs where you can tell mm. you so can you can sort of kind of pre- kind of sort yeah. of predict it like yeah. actually this is getting a, like pretty deep and very interesting I, I, I'm just like I always like to ask about like past and how that shapes. So it's really interesting to me that you were able to turn like a struggle into like a strength much later on and actually really is helping you to 2x, 4x your business in, in that sense. Um, yeah. my, my then follow-up question would be, do you, do you think that uh, people who uh, struggle in their childhood have like a better chance of like succeeding <laughs> in in like business. Uh, that is a very difficult question to answer because uh, there are so many ways that something <laughs> like that can go. Like first of all, you you would think that okay, a question like that would lead to uh, either a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. But even in the yes or no, you can see that there are various levels of yeses and nos. Like okay. If you're looking at someone that came from a broken, let's say, uh, just to put out a, a hypothetical situation, someone that came from a broken family, didn't have a lot of money growing up, uh, had to live str- a, a, a struggled life, um, you know, it, let's just go to extreme, abusive parents, a horrible mm. childhood, uh, neglected from family, uh, had no friends. Um, someone like that could easily go down the path of uh, you know, self-pity, uh, degrading themselves, a lot of uh, issues with um, you know, your own image, your you know mm. th- that kind of thing, and then you know make terrible life choices and not feel the brunt of it because uh, well they believe that their existence may be a mistake or whatever. That is the extreme. Yep. But then you also have the people that that take the situation and say, you know, I never want to be like that. I never want my children to be like that. I'm going to make my life better. So it's a personal choice. So like when people ask, like, um, you know, do I empathize with people that are in bad, uh, that are in worse situations when they grow up? Um, I say, yes, I can empathize that these things on their own are hard. But, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say whether it is by their own fault or it was really a... a Circumstances. Uh. Yeah. They are, yeah. The, deck, the, the, the hand of cards that they were dealt. Mm. But John, I, I like this guest a lot, hey, John. <laughs> He's a very deep thinker. Yes. You are a very deep thinker. That's why I always wanted Kevin to be on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was really good. I, 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 so, so then... You know, just to ask a little bit more, then you said it was about like 
choice, you think it's about choice. So when did you make that choice to say, okay, I'm not going to be a victim here. I'm going to turn this around. I think it came in like end of secondary school. Because throughout secondary school, I think um, like the number of friends that I could count on were like far and in between. And most of them weren't even in school. So like the people that I face the most aren't the people that I can count on. Mm. And like other people will say that, oh, you know, I still meet up my secondary school friends and stuff like that. I do with like one of them, but mm-hmm. that that's about it. And the thing is, he wasn't even in the same class as me. Like he was in another class. I just knew him because we were in the same class in sec one. But you know, so uh, I think it was at the end of sec four when I realized mm-hmm. that oh, all these things in my life, uh, my uh, like how I was being treated by other people, the the teachers that I had, um, all the circumstances in my life at that time had actually led me down a, a path of self-pity. Uh, it made it very hard for me to to want to study, to focus, and that of course affected my grades. So it led mm. me down a path of like uh, to, to private institutions to, to get my diploma. And I think at that point was when I started to really understand like if I don't take my life into my own hands now, like if I don't make the decision to not let the things in my life affect me as much, then I can do something about it. Mm. You know, it, it, of course it's not easy. You know, everybody will yeah. say it's hard. And of course it's hard. It's just, are you willing to, to work through it or not? If you how are, then you, you can, yeah. If you are, but then how you much can. you want it though. Yeah, it's yeah really exactly. how much you want it. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you don't want it, sure, go and do something else. You know, you can wallow pity. You can, you can go and drink, do drugs, whatever. You know, that's not good, but if it's your choice, you know, I, I can't say anything about it mm. because it's your choice. But if you want to do something about it, go, go and do something about it and get educated, start to learn, start to think, you know, you have a brain, use it, you know. So, yeah, that, that was when it changed quite a bit. So, so how has your, your life, I mean, a lot of your experiences are experiences that I've shared. Uh, very similar not exactly, yeah. but you know, many, many points. So I, it resonated a lot. You know, and we never, I think we're always talking about, about talking business. About business you know? So I'm not going to go there. Hey, yeah. Kevin, during a business meeting, would you tell me more about your life story? But like also, uh, it resonates with me because like yeah. uh, primary, secondary school, not great. It was only yeah. in the tertiary. Yeah. Years. So yeah. yeah I, got, I got bullied like hell also when I was yes. in high yes. school. Yeah. But how, how, how do you think your this ex, these experiences of yours, how how is it shaping the way that you view leadership and how you are trying to take the the company forward? How is what are those lessons that you've applied? Uh, everybody has a story, but not everybody is. Everybody has a story that they want to tell, but not everybody is willing to listen to that story. And I think part of what I want to do as you know the the next generation leader is to make that uh, important because it doesn't only talk about uh, how you run business or how you know the working culture is going to be it talks on a more personal level about people uh, not about you not just about yourself your colleagues mm-hmm. your employees but even people like your customers your clients yeah and especially not just them but your your personal relationships with the people around you you know, it's it's that ability to to want to 
listen to people and want to understand them that will give that I think will give you the upper hand mm. because then you will understand people's perspectives you understand what their goals are you understand even what their 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 motivations can be from the back end whether it was like a, a bad childhood or you know a, a dream or something that they really want then you will start to see how they fit into plans and you will start to see how you can fit into their plans as well so yeah this is very new generation kind of leadership, right? This this is the stuff that John and I talk about all the time, like knowing your knowing who you work with, understanding what their motivations are, where they fit into the organization, and then and then ha- actually encouraging them to do it and engage with you on a, on a very different level from what uh, you know my parents experienced as employees of India. They, I I just like I just find that like, do you think? that uh, as time goes by and more and more of this kind of leadership comes up, we're going to see sort of a shift from a competitive kind of industry to a little bit more mm. of a co-opting each other, mm. connecting each other, cooperating kind of a situation. I think it's possible. It's possible for that to happen, but um, of course um, you will have I would say a majority of people, even if let's say they are, their values are to listen, to, to, to want to work with people, they will also still start to maintain that competitive nature as you know, businesses are. And I think it will be very difficult, but of course it would be something that I would want to see. You know, networks forming around the world, each person helping each other, that would be great. But, I think because of where things are now, it's still highly unlikely, at least for the next like 30 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. Because if you're looking at how the the newer generation is actually coming up now, uh, there's still, it's actually moving towards more of a competitive nature. Even if, let's say like, you, you hear what I'm talking about right now. You know, I want to be uh, very, I want to connect with people on a personal level. But, uh, that may not necessarily change someone else's outlook on business. Understand. I think it's it's uh, against the so-called convention of what people would normally expect. Uh, I, I want to say our generation, but whether that is the correct way to put it. But okay, well, just for the sake of it, the our generation would think because people always believe that uh, everyone is striving very hard you know, to, to have this cooperation thing. But it's, it's very interesting that you point out that people have actually become much more competitive. More competitive. And yeah. I, I'm also wondering also whether it's because that resources now are even more scarce. And even now after post-COVID, it's a different, Things different tighter. Yeah. And how how would the face of business change, you know? And, and we know that I think to secure the future of the world, a lot more cooperation has to be done. But at the same time, now everyone is fighting even more for for what's already at the table, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you look, if you look at how society is now, and maybe it will trend on for the next ten, twenty years. You're looking at people that uh, at face value want to have cooperation, but in reality, you still see that the the nature of competitiveness is still very much burning in them, mm. like. Even if you, let's say, you talk about um, cooperation amongst firms, 
uh, there is a level of that, but you're talking about like as if in a social context, it's a clique, you know, a mm. group of very powerful people sticking together, and that's how it works. Um, mm. But then let let's just take the the GE for example, like not to to throw any political views or whatever. I'm not going to mention <laughs> any parties, but if you look Dissema, at just, <laughs> yeah, I said I'm not going to mention any parties at all. But I'll just take a look at the situation in general. You see so many people fighting for cooperation. One Singapore, Singapore United. Mm. But that is what you would consider as face value. Because right after that, there will be uh, instances where in their hearts, you would, they would feel... Okay, I'll, I'll put myself in it as well so that we can make it very cohesive. No one can point any fingers. That we will start to feel, yeah, hey, that party is doing this, this party is doing this then you start to form a divide in your own heart. So mm. how can you possibly tell openly that you want a united Singapore if you yourself cannot accept unity amongst differences? Mm. So, mm. In, in, so instead of what I, would say, what I would be thinking in my head is instead of looking outwardly towards unity, you should start, you should start looking at unity within yourself first. Mm. How are you going to unify amongst the people in your immediate circle mm. instead of trying to Unify a whole country that honestly you don't really have much yes. of a say in unless uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're I think there's a there's a very, very interesting thing because I think the the very concept of, of unity is often misunderstood in many, mm. many ways. Because like what you said, everyone is so concerned about oh let's unite the country. But what are you even yeah. doing in your own backyard? Okay, we don't have yeah. backyards in Singapore, but within <laughs> your HTB block. Yeah. or whatever it, what are you exactly. doing and, how, and how, how are you as a person reacting to certain things because unity also means that you are willing to accept every person for their views yes. then there comes in also the big question of you know what are the grey areas that we can agree yeah. up to and what is yeah. accepted by society but what again is decided by society is, yeah. is again Friends. up for for discussion <laughs> exactly. so it's, it's, it's a never ending there was this discussion I was having with my wife, right? And I, I think at the end of the day, right? Like the, the words are the same, but the definition is completely different. Yes. Which is what John was saying, right? Yeah. Because like we, was, we were saying, uh, okay, actually everyone wants stability. But what your parents, yeah. what the kind of stability your parents want and the kind of stability you want. You're talking about yes. different things altogether. Very different things. And so that's how why you get there also. Exactly. So like that's why it is unity, but on my terms. Yeah. That is yeah. society in a nutshell. I want I want it on my terms. Only mm. if it's the way that it's going to be what exactly I want, then you can have it. Yeah. And that's where that's the, the divide already. Because mm. people find it so hard to um, let someone else take control. Yeah. Because they fear that they will not get exactly what they want. And it's really and interesting you said that because what you're saying is that like, what you're actually alluding to is that there are a lot of people that actually lack the self-awareness to even arrive at that point that to say, mm. actually, uh, what I want uh, is on my terms and actually what you want is on your terms. But we actually, we, we, can, we can try to understand each other, but we don't want to because we just want it our way. Yes. Yeah. It's it, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and yeah. I think when you when you bring it into like, that's why alignment 
in a company is so important because yes. you may want the same thing as me, but to get there is a completely different story. Yeah. yeah. And it's, the, it's true. I mean, if you want to talk, I will not mention also the name of this country, but you know, it's the same thing when you talk about freedom, freedom of yeah. expression, freedom of liberty. Wear my mask. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the thing is that where it could be freedom for you, but your, your choice, you know, affects another person's freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So then again, so what what exactly is this unity and, and freedom at the end of the day if you based on or what you see as your your right, your inalienable right, <laughs> that you alienate other people in the process. You know, and some so people I think, believe that yeah. if you infringe on my freedom, hmm. right, yeah. by not wearing a mask, you yeah. are actually, you know, why by not wearing a mask, you're infringing on my freedom. Yeah. And so, you're doing bad shit to me. That's why I, I always tell people, you know, that that as as the new generation of business leaders come about, the business actually is becomes more complicated because mm. the, the staff that come on board will be much more at a higher level of awareness and not as ready to take shit as perhaps mm. our parents' generation where we okay, yes. law, no choice. Yes. You just gotta do it. But here is where we have to exercise a lot of of understanding a uh, to be absolutely open to dialogue to and communication. And what Kevin says a lot is really in the minds uh, of, of, of the, a new crop, a new generation of leaders. Yeah. And, and for me, sometimes when, like, like for me, I, I'm always very concerned about how, you know, how the mood of my, like, you know, the mood, the expression of people, how mm-hmm. do I want to go about this better? Did I say something to upset people? become very, very sensitive because this is how society is actually right now and, and people don't understand. And even like for, for, for the older generation of bosses, when, when dealing with, with so-called our generation, I just put myself nicely in the 20-something category for a while. They, they struggle. They struggle. They struggle. Because they are unable to, to have this. Because I even heard one boss say, right? Ah, then I was like, oh, your people are going back to the office, isn't it? You know, shouldn't we be like by default working from home? And he was like, no, I heard a lot of my friends uh, saying they are, they, are, they are going back to work. Yeah, I'm like, oh. Then the next thing he said was, like, like that, uh, if, if not happy, then can go and find another job. <laughs> and, and the thing is that, they, that these bosses don't understand that when you have the attitude, you're leaking talent. And you're leaking talent on a scale which you don't understand. Right. You know? It's not just one, it's multiple. And they won't tell you why they left. Mm. They, during the exit interview, which by the way is completely useless because the person has already decided to leave. During the exit interview, many stuff will tell you the truth. They will say, "Oh, you know, I got a better opportunity." Or like they're not gonna say, "Like you were shitty boss, fuck you." They won't go say that, mm. you know. And I, I just, I just think that like, especially as the age gap gets bigger. Um, the one of one of the things that I'm very terrified about is I, I become. <laughs> I become the thing that I don't want to be. <laughs> so I constantly have to remind myself, okay, okay, you have to be open dialogue, you have, cannot shut people down ahead of time. You have to listen, you have to like mm. connect, you have to ask questions, yeah. like, don't like make statements. Like, it, it can be, I mean, if it's difficult for us, I mean, <laughs> the 60 year old sitting at the top, it must be like hell for them sitting in that position and not being able to tell people mm. do this do that anymore because they're so used to it for the past i don't know 40 years you know 
yeah, so. A fourth, yeah, go ahead. Actually, it was quite interesting because like, you're, you're talking a lot about your awareness. And I think there's actually quite, um, it is true that the newer generation of uh, um, individuals now, maybe like in between the teens to like the, the 20s and 30s, there is a heightened level of awareness. But I think it, in awareness itself, there are multiple layers. You're talking about external, internal awareness. And even in those areas of awareness, you have like various little aspects that people may or may not um, pay more attention to. So like um, everybody is biased in some sense or another. You know, that, that is already a given. But how does know, knowing, having enough internal awareness to know how your bias affects your thought I think that mm. is something that uh, is still not very prevalent in the newer generation because, mm. like, you can see how, um, like, the older older generation will talk about how the newer generation are too picky. Yep. Which or like selfish, uh, you know. Yeah. I've yeah, been exactly. labeled selfish before. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So because it's a generalization of an entire generation, which. Mm. In my opinion, as someone from the younger generation, I think it is true because I do see that uh, the younger generation have become a lot more picky. They are more, uh, they can be more aware of a of a situation or condition. Yes, sure, but that does not make their awareness um, justifying of their actions later. When let's say you know they start going to fight someone, you know, start arguing about uh, a taboo topic or whatever, it does not. Uh, make it easier for them because it makes it worse mm. and they don't understand how that awareness of that situation that they are arguing for uh, is affected by their internal bias of their perception of that situation and then it's it becomes almost like, it's almost like the awareness of the external is was big overwhelms the awareness of the internal self yes and, and then, then becomes... they are unable to sink it out yeah. yeah, and it becomes worse because then they yes. will start to to add things in from their own bias into that situation, and then they fight for something that isn't even already there. Mm. Like you, like people talk about um, uh, violence and stuff like that. Yes, you know, violence is bad, but in violence is bad in all contexts. But if you keep arguing about one violence over the other violence over the other violence, you lose sight of what your original. Um, focus is which is you just want to have violence but you keep nitpicking at little things over the like you know, my violence actually... my violence is more important than your violence because and then like <laughs> yes, a lot of reason yes. like, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly so like the whole idea like we're I mean, going back to just now like you know the unity on, on on my terms because you want to fight for something good but yes. you're doing it on your, your terms and then it becomes something bad yes yeah. so that's how i see the newer generation are being are being uh, let loose into the world to freely think uh, it may not also be for their own good because you've basically unleashed a whole bunch of opinionated people into the world that don't know how to control their tongue and then one mm. person triggers one and that person triggers another and then you have this whole network of trigger <laughs> right. you can't stop I was 18 and when I was 25 I was remarkably opinionated I think you know you know me from like when I was like 25, 26 I was remarkably opinionated. Yes, you should, meet, like, you should meet the Kenneth at the time. <laughs> yeah, and, and I will be willing to go back and forth with you. Yeah, yeah. But Same, I think we're all like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think that is just that it's amplified because they have friends now mm. that they never meet in real life. 
but they yeah. can text each other and tweet each other and mm. retweet each other. And I think that's like ultra amplified now. But like, right. you know, it's to his credit, uh, at least he believes in something. Now. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But I, I, I still believe, you know, like uh, for me, yeah. this is my opinion. Huh? <laughs> that, I, it's, that it's absolutely. Like, yeah. Some restraint as yes. you, yeah. But I think and the I restraint think go along. comes with experience, life different life experiences. Because Kevin, Kevin mm. also, I mean, I, I don't really like to talk about age and all that, but Kevin is still still rather still rather young guy. We, yeah. we probably out age him by two digits already, I think. I think so, uh. <laughs> We are about there, you know. So yeah, but his life but experience. The life experiences has yes. given him that understanding. Correct. Yeah, so Correct. it's gonna take time. And yeah. I, I hope that as we go along with like the 18 year old and the 20, like as they go along, they are able to synthesize that energy, that like resistance, right? That strength into some kind of strength. Yes. Yeah, I think especially with the younger generation growing up, like of course, yes, you know, at, at 18, when you're, when you're just in your, in your teens, you just want to fight everybody. Like mm. you just want your opinions to be heard. You, you want to, to live in the world that everyone's talking about. Right. Um, the heat, the yeah. heat is there. Yeah. yeah. So, so like in order for what I would think the newer generation of leaders, like what would help, especially is in the developing stages of each person's life, is that they start to um, have people to walk with them. Mm. So because like people always say that oh, as the generations go by, you know, people start to mature <laughs> at earlier ages. And I think that is true to some extent. You know, yes, there are more and more people that are maturing earlier, but you have a larger generation of people that still remain immature and to a larger extent for a much longer period of time. Because you know, when you start to change minds at an early age, sometimes the mind gets stuck and mm. doesn't want to move and it stays for a very, very long time. Uh, that goes to all generations. But right. yeah, especially now in this era where the previous generation or the current generation of parents are starting to become like the opinionated ones and how that translates into their kids. I think I think out of all the external circumstances in the world, people should start looking at the things that are inside them. Mm. What about them can they continue to grow? What about them can they change? Um, you know, people always say that, oh, you know, I shouldn't change, I'm the best, you know, that kind of thing. Well, in reality, you the world does not revolve around you. You need to learn how to work with people. You need to learn how to live in a world that involves other people. Yes. So you can't make the the world about mm. you. You need to mm. learn to know how to live amongst people. And I think that is all part of like personal growth, which I uh, am very and a very strong advocate on that people should continue to better themselves and not just remain stagnant uh, just because they think they know better. Hmm. Wow. That's perfect. That's, that's I think, a, like, yeah. that's. To, today's episode is full of very, very deep thoughts. Cool, yeah, cool, cool. Thanks so much, Kevin, for Thank being you, Kevin. on the show. Definitely a fantastic show. And anyway, Kevin, uh, Kenneth, you do the, the honors about the liking and the subscribing. <laughs> so if you have fun, you enjoy the, the, you know, Kevin's thoughts, you enjoy all, everything that we talked about, smash the like button, hit the subscribe button, and remember to ring the bell for notifications. <laughs>